Guys, again, I'm glad you're here. If you got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up with me to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. Now, James was the brother of Jesus, and uh, I, I love finding out a little bit of the backstory of who wrote a book, why they wrote it, so we can understand the tone in, in which these things are being said to us as believers. And, and James is Jesus' brother. Really, they're, they're half-brothers, okay? And could you imagine being Jesus' brother? Think about that for a minute. How many of you have siblings? Anyone? How many of you that have siblings, you've ever had to deal with sibling rivalry? Let's be honest, okay? Yeah, all right. There would have been none of that with James and Jesus. Could you imagine, right? Could you imagine being James and coming home one day and having a good day? And Mary's like, James, how was your day? He's like, Mom, it was a great day. I got an A today. And then Jesus comes in a few minutes later and Mary says, Jesus, how was your day? Mom, it was great. I saved everyone today. It was awesome. It would be tough to be James, you know, real tough. But James, it, he's writing specifically in the book of James to a group of believers who is going through incredible challenges, incredibly difficult times. In fact, this is different than what you and I are used to. In fact, the believers at this time were going through such persecution that literally people would break into a, a Christian's home drag your family out into the street and beat you and stone you to death because you love Jesus. This is, this is what believers were dealing with back then. Real, true challenges, real struggles, real difficulty. And James starts off this letter in James chapter 1 talking to this group of people. And he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Man, troubles of any kind. Have you ever felt like you've gone through a season where there's not just troubles of any kind, but there's troubles of every kind coming your way? Don't you love those seasons? <laughs> yeah, me neither. It can be so tough sometimes when you realize you're like, I just kind of want to break. It's like I've got, I've got troubles at work. I've got troubles in my finances. I've got troubles when it comes to my health. I've got troubles when it comes to my relationships. I've got troubles in all of these different areas. And, and James is talking about people that struggle with troubles. And right off the bat, he, he challenges us to look at these seasons of life where we go through troubles and look at them as an opportunity. So it really does catch your attention as you read this. But he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He goes on and says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And he goes on and says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Then let's jump down to this amazing verse in verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. More, more challenges. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Is, man, isn't that a good promise? He's, like, he's saying, first off, you need to understand, if you are a Christian and you're going through some struggles, you're not alone. And then he, he kind of brings into perspective for us that we need to recognize that the, the goal in life, success as a Christian, is not to have a life free from challenges. It's not to just have an easy life for everything to, to be simple, no difficulties at all. But, but instead, he's saying the goal in life is that when we face those challenges, we succeed. 
And there's a promise that comes with that, that you know what? When you face challenges and you endure these challenges, you, you endure testing, you endure temptation, at the end of all that, there's a reward, there's a crown for those of us who love Jesus and, and, and we've stuck it out. We've gone through these difficult times. In fact, Jesus makes it clear to us. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is recorded in saying, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, I think this is a verse that a lot of us Christians, we, we choose to forget. We choose to just ignore because people buy into this idea that since I'm a Christian, everything should just be easy all the time. And since I love Jesus, I should get raises at work and, and my wife and I should always get along and my kids will never get into any sort of trouble and they're going to grow up and be successful and buy a house for me in Hawaii where I can retire in, you know? It's like we think everything's just going to be perfect because I love Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, you got to understand something. I never promised you that you're not going to have troubles. The promise that Jesus makes for us is that he will be with us. So he says, in this world, you will have trouble. That's why I've titled today's message, I was born for this. I was born for this. In fact, would you say that with me? Say it right now. I was born for this. Look at the person sitting right next to you. Look them right in the eye and say, I was born for this. If they didn't convince you, look them right back in the eye and say, tell them you were born for this. Because apparently, when you read scripture, the, the more you read and understand God's word, the more he makes it clear that the goal in life is not for us to go through life not facing difficulty, but for, for us to be able to go through life and succeed through difficulties. To go through challenges one after another and have success there. To, to, to face very difficult circumstances and say, you know what? I was born for this. I'm, I'm going to make it. You know, it, it's, it's really interesting that, that as a Christian, we have to get to a point in our life where we stop asking God to just deliver us out of difficult circumstances. But to realize that maybe God put us there for a reason. Maybe I was born for this. Christians are notorious for asking God to deliver us from the very thing we prayed for the week before. Have you ever recognized this? Have you ever done this in your own life? God, I need this job. Please, this would be like a miracle. It'd be great income. I'd love to do this. I've wanted to do something like this for my whole life. So God, please give me this job. And God gives you the job. And you're praised. Woo, I got the job. It's awesome. And then a month later, you're going, God, I need out of this job. Help me out of this job. It's crazy, right? It's like we pray for something. God gives it to us. And then, then we start praying, well, that's not what I wanted. I didn't realize there'd be challenges. I mean, We'll come in here in a worship service and we lift our hands up and we go, God, I want you to use me. Take my life and use me, God. The very next week, we're emailing a friend. We're like, I'm so mad at my church right now. I just feel so used. <laughs> Wait a minute, right? Isn't that exactly what we prayed for? Isn't it that we need to recognize that sometimes God allows us to go into dirt, uh, difficult circumstances because maybe there's a success that he wants you and I to have. Because James says, 
when we endure these circumstances, when we endure difficulties and challenges, there comes a point where we can look back and realize, you know what, my endurance grew there and was developed. My faith was developed there. I am a better person because of what I went through in this time. And maybe we need to start looking at some of the things we're praying and saying, God, would you take me out of this circumstance? You realize, maybe God put me in this circumstance for a reason. Maybe, maybe I was born for this. See, you might find yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in. A situation where you're going, you know what, I'm lonely. I, I, I feel like I'm struggling. I'm by myself right now. And maybe our view needs to change. You're going, you know what, I, I was born for this. I was made for this. Maybe it's a, a struggle when it comes to your finances or your marriage. Or maybe you got a diagnosis from the doctor. And my hope and my prayer for you is that God would reveal himself to you in a way where you recognize with his presence you're going to be able to make it through there. Because I believe we were born for this. I believe we're, we're able, through our relationship with Jesus, to be able to face and succeed anything that life throws at us. We were born for this. We were made for this. As we look into the Bible today, I want to take a look at a story in Acts chapter 27. And a little backstory on this. We're going to be taking a look at a man by the name of Paul. And you know Paul, Paul was a man who wrote many of the letters to the different churches in the New Testament. A lot of what you read in the New Testament you'll see was actually written by this man Paul. And Paul was a great man who loved God and he was going through some trials. He was going through some difficult times. You say, wait a minute, so a man serving God with his life, loving God and going through difficult times. Seems like it's different than what a lot of us were brought up learning. We think, well, if you put God first, then everything's going to be easy. And, and in fact, Scripture shows us, no, in this world, you will have trouble. So maybe you're here today and you say, well, I don't think I'm facing trouble. I'm not facing any trouble. You've got you to gotta ask yourself if you're truly following Jesus. Because if there's an absence of, of adversity, then we need, might need to ask ourselves, is there an absence of progress as well? Because anytime there's progress and you're following Jesus, you're moving forward, there's going to be adversity, there's going to be struggles. And we see this man of God, Paul, is trusting God, he's loving God, he's teaching people about Jesus, and he finds himself as a prisoner on a ship. Maybe you've been on a cruise ship before, this is a different type of ship. No one's bringing him drinks in the sun, he's, he's down with the prisoners, he's chained up, he's miserable, and he's being shipped off so he can stand trial before Caesar, and, and he finds himself in this situation that's very ugly, and we're going to pick it up, Acts 27, verse 21, and it says this, no one had eaten for a long time, and finally Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Don't you love a know-it-all that says, I told you so? Paul finds himself kind of in this position where he's saying, uh, yeah, if you would have listened to me, you wouldn't have found yourself in this ugly predicament that we're in. I mean, it's frustrating when someone says, I told you so, especially when they watch you do the thing, and then afterwards, once you've done the thing, you say, I told you so. I knew that wasn't going to end up well. Well, Paul is in a situation where he's frustrated now because all of these men on the ship are in a bad situation saying, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. 
I love that he's keeping it real here. He's saying, you know what, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it through, but this is a bad situation. The ship is going to sink. You say, well, it's not that bad. No, it's bad. The ship is going to sink. Paul is keeping it real here. He's saying, but, but I believe God is going to deliver us. Verse 23, for last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. Don't be afraid. I want to just pause for a moment because God sent an angel to Paul, a messenger to Paul, to talk to him, to whisper something in his ear that he so, he so desperately needed to hear. And think, God could have told Paul any number of things. He could have said, you, you got to preach more. You got to teach more about my love to these people. You got to serve more. You got to give more. You got to do more. You got to study more. He could have said any of these things. But, but what, what God spoke to Paul in the middle of his struggles, he, he, he sent a messenger to whisper in his ear, don't be afraid. Some of you need to hear that right now because I think you've come into this place in a very difficult circumstance and you're struggling and you think, maybe if I just do more, maybe if I could just study more, maybe if I could just learn more and figure this out. And God is just saying, listen, I'm with you. You, you need to not be afraid. Don't give up here. So, he says, do not be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you, so take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. I love how he keeps bringing that back up. He's like, we're going to be okay, but this is still a horrible circumstance, okay? About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as they were being driven across the Sea of, of Adria, the sailors since land was near, and they dropped away the line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found that it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid that they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore, and they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. Let's pause again. I think you need to take inventory of the friendships you have. and Take inventory of the times when you go through difficult times. Who are the people that are trying to abandon your ship? Who are the people that are trying to jump out of your ship? Because maybe we need to recognize who's trying to get out of the ship when we go through difficult times and who's staying in the ship with us. I heard one preacher say, you know, don't pay attention to the people who want to ride with you in the limo. Pay attention to the people who will walk with you to the bus stop when the limo breaks down. We need to recognize who do we have around us that are, that are trying to get out of the ship or, and who is really in it with us says, then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding uh, officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. I love this about Paul. Paul thinks just like me. We're going through a tough time. Let's eat, right? He's like, wow, it's a struggle. Anyone up for breakfast? Donuts, anyone? Okay. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Two weeks. I lose my mind when I haven't eaten for six hours. They have not eaten for two weeks. And he said, please eat something now 
for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Isn't it amazing that Paul is in one of the most difficult circumstances and situations he's ever found himself in life, yet he has the wherewithal to speak vision and life into those people that are around him. I think it's funny that a lot of us will find ourselves in difficult situations and what we try to do is we try to jump out of the ship. Maybe we should start praying, God, would you give me the vision to be able to speak life and to be able to speak your truth into my circumstances? Who in my office place would be in a bad situation if it wasn't for the fact that you put me here? God, who could I speak life into right now? Paul had this type of love for God and his people, so, so he began speaking life into the situation. It says, then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before all of them, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. And when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach, and they wondered if they could get to the shore by running the ship aground. So they cut the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders and raised the foresail and headed towards the shore. But it hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. And the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure that they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. <laughs> wow, God's grace is so good here that this just goes to show God can even use your enemies, even use someone who's, who's there to, to be a, a captive, uh, a, a cap, someone that would capture you, sorry. Um, he can use even your enemies to give favor to you and to help you in a difficult circumstance. So here Paul is, everyone else is trying to get to the shore and he recognizes people are going to try to, our, our captors are going to try to kill us right now. But the commanding officer, God had given him such a favor with Paul that, that he says, no, I want to spare their life. So it stops it from happening. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump aboard first and uh, jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks and debris from the broken ship. So this is the first example we have of surfing in the Bible. And so everyone escaped safely to the shore. So in case you missed any of this, uh, just a quick recap for you. We have, we have one guy who is on an absolutely doomed ship, going through a horrible trial, horrible challenge, great difficulty. He's a prisoner. There are people that hate him. And yet he has the wherewithal to reach up to Jesus, to reach out for a word from God and to hold on to him in a way where, where not just he was saved, but 276 people around him who would have been doomed on their own were spared because Paul never lost faith. He never lost sight of God in the middle of his difficult circumstances. See, I was made for this. And you were made for this. And sometimes you and I will go through struggles and we think, God, deliver us from this struggle. When all along, God is trying to deliver everyone else from their struggle by putting you right in the middle of it. 
There's just three quick points I want to talk about from this journey that we see Paul on. and Three things, and we're going to pray and dismiss, but these are three things you and I can apply to our lives as we face difficulties and as we face challenges in life. Number one, what we get from this story is you've got to see it coming. Write this down. See it coming. You've got to see it coming so you never end up running. I love that Paul in this story is like he was two steps ahead. It's like he had been with God and understand what would happen in this world. So when tragedy came and difficulty came, he didn't find himself freaking out and running away. He was very calm right in the middle of what was going on. See, guys, as Christians, we are surprised by way too much. Unfortunately, Christians are not known for their poise when it comes to, to stressful situations. Have you ever noticed when there's some sort of tragedy or something that takes place around the country, CNN will always find that one weird guy. That, that, you know the guy I'm talking about, that one weird Christian, and they'll interview him, and it's like it, the, the river will flood, and his house has got some water in the basement now, and now he's standing on the street telling the TV, it's like, I think God's going to judge the world. It's the end of time. He said he'd never flood us again, but we're being flooded right now. Come down, down to my house, and we're going to pray before he comes back and gets us all. Like, what are you talking about, man? You, you built your house 10 feet from the river. That's the problem here. It's like, why do we get so freaked out by things when, when life just throws a curveball at us? And we go, oh my gosh, it's the end of time. We're going to die. Everything's going to fall apart. It's like, we, it's like we totally ignored the fact that Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. Where did we miss that part? We, we of all people, we as Christians should be the ones that, that when difficulty comes up, we go, oh, oh yeah, Jesus told us that difficulty would happen. We got this. We're going to make it. We shouldn't be the ones freaking out going, everything, the sky is falling. No, no. Just in, in this life, you'll have trouble, and we've got to see it coming. We have got to be so close to God and talking to him on such a regular basis that we know what's going on. Paul was crying out to God. He was so close to God, he got a fresh word from God. And in this fresh word, God said, don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to make it through this. Everyone else is going to make it through this. And, and no one's even going to get hurt because you've got to go stay on trial before Caesar. He had such a close relationship with God, he knew what was coming. He knew when difficulty was coming. And I wonder, do you have that type of relationship with God? Because unfortunately, so many of us go through life where we don't talk to God on our own. We don't look for a word from God on our own. We, we expect, you know what, I'm going to listen to a podcast and someone else is going to tell me what God has to say. Or I'm going to go to church on Sunday and someone else is going to tell me what God has to say. When maybe as Christians we should go back to the essence of our faith, which is you on the ground on your knees before God saying, God, what is your fresh word for me in my life today? And it's in that type of a life where, where you're not surprised by things anymore. That, I mean, this is why we've done stuff in the past where we've talked about coffee with God. And you look in our bookstore, we've got coffee mugs, and they say coffee with God. What is that? It's an encouragement for you to start your day every day. Just spend a little time with God. You know, taking 15 minutes, five minutes of, uh, of reading your Bible, five minutes of listening to some worship music, five minutes of thanking God for how good he is. You know, But starting your day off where, where you get a fresh word from God so that then imagine this, when difficulty comes, then you're ready because I got a fresh word from God. And I know I'm going to make it. God told me in this world we'll have trouble, and here trouble is. But I know that Jesus has overcome the world, so I know I'm going to make it. 
We've got to be the type of people that see it coming. And see, when you recognize that there are, there are storms that we're going to go through in life that other people don't see coming, and God loves those people, and God wants to spare those people and help those people, then it awakens something in you that, you know what? If I need to see it coming, not just for myself, but I need to see it coming for my kids, for my worker, or co-workers, for my, for my friends, my family, my neighbors, it gives you an encouragement to say, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to see it coming. And it means meeting with Jesus every day. So Paul, number one, he, he saw it coming. The second thing we do in facing troubles is we've got to see it through. You've got to see it coming, but then you've got to see it through. See it through because you have no idea what God is going to do. See it coming. See it through because you have no idea what God is going to do. That rhymes, and I think it's really cool that it rhymes. <laughs> I recognize that in the first service. It was an unintentional rhyme. Now I'm rhyming on purpose. <laughs> so, you have no idea what God is going to do. Imagine with me if you were Paul. What, what if Paul quit? as easily as, as admittedly I would have quit in this situation. What about for you? What if you would have quit as easily as you would have quit if we would have found ourselves in the same type of situation? Because all along the way he could have quit. He had so many different opportunities. He's just trying to serve Jesus. Now he finds himself in prison. That could have been incredibly discouraging. He could have wanted to quit. He finds himself on a boat. People hate him on this boat. He's locked up and chained as a prisoner on the boat. And people get scared because they go into a storm. So the, the sailors stop eating. Therefore, the prisoners aren't eating anymore. He hasn't eaten for 14 days in prison on a ship in a storm. I'm sure he wanted to quit. What if he would have quit when, when the ship run aground and it broke apart? What if he would have quit at any point along the way? The Bible says that 276 men did not lose their lives but were blessed, all because Paul never quit. He saw it through. And the truth is, he didn't know. He didn't know what God was going to do. But he decided, he had the wherewithal to say, you know what, I believe that God is good and I'm going to keep going. Even though it's scary, even though it's difficult right now, I'm going to see it through. And we've got to get that type of attitude in our own lives when, when trouble comes our way where you say, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen in this circumstance, but I believe God's good and I'm going to see it through and I'm going to keep trusting him. I'm going to keep putting my faith in him. I'm going to keep worshiping him and loving him and see what God's going to do in this situation. We could look at our church and the history of our church, and what if our leaders would have quit anywhere along the way? Amelie and I were talking about this just yesterday. There were so many opportunities to quit. My parents moved here from Fort Worth, Texas in 1989 and started this church in 17th and Elm, a little tiny building. There was 19 people here, and with those 19 people, one night in the middle of the night, you had a call from the police department that there had been an arson at the church. What if they would have quit then? What if they would have thrown in the towel? What if when we moved to North Avenue and there were so many difficulties in remodeling that building and all, all the difficulties that came up with that, and finding out that, that, that there were companies that had to come in and re remove asbestos from the parking lot and all sorts of stuff, all those difficulties along the way, what if they would have quit then? What if when we bought this property out on 24 Road and the city developers looked at the leadership of our church and said, you guys made a mistake, you bought the wrong piece of property and there's never going to be a church on 24 Road and I-70. What if they would have quit then? 
We can look around in this room and see that there are so many of us that our lives were changed and affected and developed in Fellowship Church. What if they would have quit along the way? Here's a little bonus point. You got to see it through because sometimes it's not even about you. Sometimes it's about your kids. Sometimes it's about your coworkers. So we see that Paul kept on going and saw it through in 276 people benefited from the fact that Paul never lost sight of God in the middle of, of his difficult circumstances. Sometimes the enemy is attacking you and you're going through challenges and difficulties and he's attacking you because he doesn't want your kids to benefit from you being the type of person that says, you know what, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to trust God even in the middle of a tough situation. Paul said, I'm going to stick it out. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to stick it out. Number one, you got to see it coming. Number two, see it through. And number three, you got to shake it off. And that is not a Taylor Swift point. I'll tell you that right now. I did not get this from Taylor Swift. I got this from Paul. You got to shake it off so you can keep yelling, bring it on. You got to shake it off. See, this is a great story as it is right now, but the story doesn't end there. I mean, it's great, all these people, they ended up on an island, they're, they're okay, they're surviving, but the story doesn't end there. We see in chapter 28, verse 1, once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta, and the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks, he was lying them on the fire, and a poisonous stake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. And the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Just a quick reminder, be real careful not to judge someone on their journey because you have no idea what they're going through. I think a lot of us know what it feels like when and you're trying to do everything right, and then you get stung by one more thing, bit by one more thing, and everyone else starts pointing the finger and says, see, see, see. Well, this is where Paul is, and he just got bit by a snake. And it says, verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. And the people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. What is wrong with these people? Two sentences earlier, he's a murderer and he deserves to die. Now he's a god. This just goes to show you can't live off the praises of people and you can't die from their criticism. We serve an audience of one. And when you recognize that God is your God and no one else's opinion matters, God can begin to take you through some incredible things that would wipe other people out. So here he is. He's in a place where people go, uh, he's a murderer. He, he deserves to die. Oh my gosh, he must be a God. So just he shook it off here. And we see in verse 7, near the shore where we land in an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. And Paul went in and prayed for him and laying his hands on him and healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Man, that's incredible. 
Like, what if he would have quit somewhere along the way? I mean, look at this. Imagine with me, if you're Paul, and you're on the cruise ship from hell, right? And one thing bad after another keeps happening. It's bad enough that you're a prisoner on a ship. Now the ship's going to break apart. You haven't eaten for 14 days. Now you're shipwrecked on an island. There's got to be some point where Paul's like, God, I just need a breather here. Can I get a break, please? I've been there. God, could you just could, could you let things lighten up just a little bit? If maybe not in all areas, at least if things could get easier at work or if things could get easier at home. I just need a breather. And Paul is here. He, he's, he's at this point where he's finally like, I'm getting a breather. And he's sitting down by this fire, throwing wood under the fire. I'm going to get warm. He's building a fire here, thinking he's about to have a, a breather. And bam, out of the fire comes a snake from the wood pile, comes a snake and bites him. And now he's faced with the decision that every one of us as Christ followers are faced with every day. He, he, he has the decision, do I, do I sit here and let this kill me? Do I sit here and die or do I shake it off? Do I shake it off and just keep moving and keep doing what I'm supposed to do? See, that's a decision that we're all faced with. Have you ever felt like something comes out and bites you and is trying to cling to you? Something from your past. When, when you're building fires, first of all, Paul was building a fire. If you are a follower of Christ, that's what you should be doing. You should be building fires everywhere you go. You should be going and, and, and lighting up the fire of God so that people can start seeing the reflection of Jesus in your life, in your workplace, everywhere you go. And Paul's doing that. And when you build a fire, you've got to know there are going to be some snakes that come out. Sometimes there's going to be some things that come out and try to bite you and try to hold on to you and try to cling to you. Have you ever felt like something you didn't even expect was going to cling to you grabs on? And now you've got this thing holding on to you and you're like, I thought I got rid of that. I, I thought this was over with the divorce. I, I thought I whipped that addiction years ago. I, I thought... I thought I handled this in the past, and now I feel that it's clinging to me. It's holding. Have you ever felt like something is clinging to you? you got to understand that being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is not something you do on your own, but if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the authority with him as your Lord to be able to shake off those things that are clinging to you from your past and say, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm shaking that off, and I'm going to keep moving forward. Because stuff is going to try to come up. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring for you, but I can tell you there's going to be something that tries to cling to you, that tries to discourage you this next week. Maybe the week after that. And you know what you got to do? You got to shake it off. I was driving down the road the other day, and I go, did that. And Amelie looks at me like, what was that? <laughs> I just got the chills, baby. just got the shakes. No big deal. Just the shakes. That's all it was. Some of you, you need to leave here, and you need to go into the season of the shakes. He's like, I'm not dealing with that, because stuff's going to try to jump onto you at work tomorrow, and you just got to be like, I'm shaking that off. I'm shaking that. I'm not letting that hold on to me. I'm not cleaning it. I'm not going to get bitter about what you just said. I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to let this unforgiveness hold on to me and kill me here. I'm not doing that, because I want to see this through. I saw that trouble was coming. Jesus told me that. I've seen it through to this point, and now something's trying to kill me, and I'm going to shake it off. I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. You need to go into this next season of your life and get the shakes. Shake it off. Shake it off. 
Would you bow your heads with me? There are so many of us in this room that we need to leave here with this truth and this understanding is that I was born for this. God did not put you in this world so that your world would just be simple and clean and easy all the time. That's not the promise he makes. The promise he makes is that he will be with you. So for those of you facing difficult times right now, I want to encourage you to apply these three points to your life. It only works if you have a relationship with Jesus. If he's your Lord, the Lord of your life, then you, you need to do three things. You need to see the difficulties coming. You need to see it through and not quit when times get tough. And you need to shake off those painful things from your past. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in this room. And, and, and God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that then in a relationship with you, you give us authority to be able to shake off the junk that tries to hold on to us. And God, where James tells us that we need to consider it an opportunity for great joy anytime we face difficulties, that's kind of a hard thing for us to swallow, but I pray that you would help us understand it right now. That God, when difficulties come up, we'd stop going, i got to run for this, oh my gosh, the world's a demon. But we would start going, God, thank you for what you're going to do in this situation. Thank you for the struggles you bring us through so that our lives can be better and so that you can be glorified. God, be with each and every one of us. And I pray that you would give us wisdom. As we face difficult times, as we face painful times, give us the wisdom to know what to do. We love you, God, and we pray that you be glorified in our lives and glorified in our church. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give him a shout of praise. He's good. He's good.